This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And you guys, I am exhausted. I There's three games left in the regular season, and I, I feel like I must have the, the stress levels and blood pressure of a, a 95-year-old man <laughs> with uh, just this Pirate series. So that certainly bodes well uh, for this Cardinal series and then whatever the playoffs may hold. But we are coming to you tonight uh, on a Thursday evening. You guys will be listening to us on Friday morning before the Cubs and Cardinals kick things off with the three-game set. And the Cubs and Pirates split a four-game series in Chicago. The Brewers off on Thursday, but they sweep the St. Louis Cardinals, who, uh, yeah, decided to uh, lay down in their home ballpark and get swept on the verge of missing the playoffs. So that's where the Cardinals are at uh, coming to Wrigley. I'm sure they're going to, you know, do their best to lay down this weekend, right? Yeah. So we will talk about those four games with the Pittsburgh Pirates. We will look ahead to the final series of the year. You guys have one more uh, Brendan regular season series preview coming for you, and then that is all she wrote before Brendan, you know, gets himself together. And you know, much like the players do, he he's got to uh, deliver playoff performance uh, level previews. I've already been us. practicing too, so you can expect yeah. he'll the be best. he'll he'll be in October form. Oh, I, I, of course, I, I, I always no am, Corey. I always am. So uh, you know that's that's basically where we are. I'm going to run through these four games uh, real quick. I think because you know, look, guys, there's three games left. The magic number for the Cubs to win the NL Central is three. The Brewers head to play the Detroit Tigers. The Cubs are at home with the Cardinals. So. There's just a lot to cover, and you know we kind of have to uh, just keep moving forward here as we we head to the end of the season here. But uh, I actually just got back from the Cubs social media night event, which was a nice affair over at the Brick House uh, Tavern in the park at Wrigley. Got to meet a lot of people, uh, you know, who we uh, interact with on Twitter. You know, some listeners of this podcast uh, at Cubs was there the team behind the tweets and instagrams so uh just a a quick shout out to them it was a, a very fun night uh they gave away they gave away a ton of stuff brendan they must have raffled off like 15 items autographed balls some of those uh fat head emojis of the cubs players and I you got nothing anything i got nothing how did they determine the winner just like random raffle like, ticket just raffle tickets oh wow yeah and Not i got uh i got bupkis but you know what? I'm not complaining, <laughs> and that is because I did get to see John Lester victory number 18 in person. We will get to that in a minute, but let's just jump in uh, to this pirate series, and then we'll we'll kind of figure out how to parse it all out. But on Monday, the Cubs dropped this one five to one. Uh, I think I can sum this one up pretty quickly. Uh, Francisco Cervelli hit a two-run homer in the first inning. And the Cubs' only run of the game came on a Cole Hamels solo home run. So that's about how that game went. Uh, The Cubs left eight on base. They went one for four with runners in scoring position. Both teams had seven hits, uh, but the Pirates push across five. The Cubs, again, only the one on the solo home run. Hamels takes his 11th loss of the season. Six innings, five hits, two earned runs, three runs allowed, two walks, and seven strikeouts. So Hamels was pretty good, but... 
you know, obviously just got into some early trouble there uh, through a pitch that Cervelli could take out. And, you know, unfortunately, Jamison Tyone continued his stretch of really good pitching, uh, seven strong innings of one-run baseball for his 14th win of the year. Pirates bullpen is pretty good. And that was all she wrote. On Tuesday, I'm going to speak very little about this game. Uh, This game made my blood boil. Uh, I imagine it did for you guys as well. Um, But the Cubs failing to hit Chris Archer, who entered this game with, I believe, an ERA around four and a half, um, really pissed me off, Brendan, (laughs) and striking out nine times. Uh, And there was an interesting stat I saw from ESPN's Jesse Rogers that the Cubs' normal chase rate is around 29%. In this game against Chris Archer, it was around 40%. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is not good. And, all on you know, sliders, luckily, too. I mean, he's a two-pitch guy. They were just right. outside the zone the entire night. Yeah, and you know, for a guy that was getting touched up by pretty much everybody, this was a, yeah. a really disappointing result. I not going to dwell on it, though, because, you know, the Cubs offense does show up the next two nights, and especially on Thursday night, they do great work against Trevor Williams, who has been, I I believe, the best pitcher in baseball uh, in the second half. So we'll get to that in a second. But Archer, again, six innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, nine strikeouts. This was a bad effort for the Cubs offense. Mike Montgomery was not good in this game. Four innings, seven hits, five earned, one walk, three strikeouts. He allows one home run to Pablo Reyes. It was a three-run shot. And, you know, I've, I've talked a lot with you guys on here about uh, the vibe in the ballpark. Um, we were back to that kind of funeral parlor vibe in Wrigley Field. And you can, you can uh, hear it, too, on the TV. Yeah. Like you can, I mean, it's audible. It's so quiet. It's like a warehouse. You can hear anything drop. Yeah, so, like, when that ball went out, um, we were kind of back to, you know, almost like pre-2015 Cubs, where it was like, up oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, like, all right, you know, the Brewers are already winning. Yeah. This is going on, you know, uh, uh, okay. Anyway, six to nothing is the final here. The Pirates would add three throughout the rest of the night. I am pretty comfortable in saying that I imagine you guys don't care how that happened. So we will move on to Wednesday. This was an interesting game, Brendan, is how I'm going to phrase that. Jose Quintana was solid in this one. Five innings, four hits, two earned. No walks and four strikeouts. Good to see uh, that no walk total, though he does surrender two home runs. Uh, But this was all on 74 pitches removed early, um, you know, to uh, get into the bullpen, get in some offense going. Uh, but he could have gone longer, so just uh, you know, pointing that out that it was uh, not five innings on 120 pitches uh, for Quintana. But the Cubs, uh, th- this game didn't seem like it was going to have to end the way that it did. Uh, the Pirates took an early lead on a Jose Osuna home run, uh, but Jason Hayward put the Cubs on the board with a 2015 NLDS off of Arietta-esque oppo line drive uh, to left center there a two-run shot his eighth of the year to score anthony rizzo rizzo with a sack fly kyle schwarber walked with the bases loaded in the third javi with a single hayward with a single that made it six to one and you were feeling like okay the offense is here you know we've got quintana going pretty well okay you know we can we can calm down here no sir uh cory dickerson homering in the fifth to make it six to two Elias Diaz singling and with an error on the shortstop by Javi Baez. Uh, two runs in, that made it 6-4. to four. And in the ninth, Starling Marte would tie things up with a line drive that goes, at least from where I was sitting, it looked like in and out of Anthony Rizzo's glove. It would have ended the game, but then two yep. runs score. And we are tied. We would go to the bottom of the 10th. And again, guys, if I tell you that uh, from the top of the 9th when Marte tied the game to when the bottom of the 10th started, you want to talk about a weird vibe in that stadium. Uh, that was one of the weirder environments I've ever been in because you know they were up 6-1 to one, uh, heading into the 8th inning, or 6-2, to two, excuse me, heading into the 8th inning. You know, some people had decided to leave. Uh, It was a little chillier this week at Wrigley Field. And so, like, by the time this ninth and 10th inning rolls around, there's not a full stadium. And now everybody there is freaking out because the (laughs) Brewers game is already over. They've won. And you're like, oh, my God, I, I... 
I was in disbelief. I was like, I cannot believe I'm still here. Like, what is what is happening here? Uh, but Ian Happ would get on. Terrence Gore would pinch run. Uh, I do not agree with the Cubs' strategy in this particular instance. I don't know why you would bunt with Terrence Gore on, but we'll save that probably for another day. And Albert Elmora, with two outs, comes through as he has before in these situations with a base hit to left field. Gore scores. The Cubs win, and everybody, at least for a moment, Brendan, can calm the F down. <laughs> Seven to six, the final. Uh, some notables as far as the pitching goes. Uh, we saw a better result on Thursday from Carl, but on Wednesday, this was not great. He goes uh, a third of an inning, allowing two earned runs and two walks. Uh, so really, you know, he was kind of a, a key contributor there. Justin Wilson gets the blown save in this one, uh, you know, but again, uh, you know, that ball was in Rizzo's glove. So it was a tough play for Rizzo as a line drive, but, you know, in theory, Wilson did enough uh, to escape that jam. Anyway, uh, on Thursday, the Cubs winning three to nothing. I'll, I'll, I'll read you the line. We'll, we'll talk more about him uh, in a minute. I don't want to, you know, get into it right now. You guys already know where I'm going here. Um, We'll just read the line now. We have some quotes I want to read and just some other general thoughts. Uh, In his final regular season performance, I hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope you were in front of your TV uh, because this was appointment viewing in uh, my book. And it was number 34, your boy, John Lester, picking up his 18th win of the season. He will finish the 2018 regular season with an 18-6 and Record, a 3.32 ERA. Wow. He goes six innings, three hits, no runs, four walks, and three Ks. And in true John fashion, he was kind enough to also give us some of those classic screams at the umpires, uh, some put the glove over your face and maybe lay some expletives in there. This was an all-around John Lester performance. He also gets a base hit that I thought was going to be an RBI, but Wilson Contreras was thrown out at the plate. And he also scores a run on a single from second base. He I've said does it before. All. Yep, I've said it before, and I will continue to say it again. This man is an all-around athlete. He is a star. Five-tool player. I don't know how that works for pitchers, uh, but whatever you want to make up, John's got it. So, And, you know, I think he was uh, probably a little... You know, pitching with a little more oomph tonight because uh, one of the other big Johns from our uh, past Cubs groups, uh, John with an H, Lackey, was in the house tonight. Uh, They showed him on the video board. He got a nice little round of applause. How how was uh, that? How was the ovation for uh, Lackey? It was not... It was it was pretty good. I mean, I you, you know they so? they do that. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I mean, it, it, you know, there was some uh, some cheers and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, you know, but they've shown other guys on there. Like I think when they show like uh, you know a few times through these past seasons, I think especially in the playoffs, like Aramis Ramirez has been there, Derek Lee has been there. Like those guys get bigger ovations, but as they should, um, yeah, yes, as they should. But it was yeah, I thought it was a, a nice ovation and. Um, We'll read a quote in a minute, but John Lester was was funny to point out that he noticed that that John Lackey was drinking clear liquor, um, which, as our uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Nick Offerman, in his character, uh, Ron Swanson, would point out, what does he say, Brendan, for, uh, like, retired women or something like that? I forgot what it was, but it was something something along along those those lines. lines. Yeah. 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 Um, And, uh, you know, he only drinks whiskey, so... Uh, I drink clear liquor, so you know if you were offended by Ron Swanson's quote, then you know join the club. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, got a little off the rails there. John just you know John talking about John Lester just gets my brain going, you know. Um, but the Cubs getting their runs in this one in the bottom of the second inning, a David Bodie triple brings in Kyle Schwarber and Ian Happ. And a Daniel Murphy single in the bottom of the fourth brings in the aforementioned John Lester. Motoring around the base paths, yes. if I say so myself. Yes, and I, I will point out, I, I, I tweeted this, uh, but when the throw came in and, you know, you sort of saw Cervelli squaring up to, you know, attempt a tag and whatever, while when the hit landed, I was like, all right, let's go. 
when I saw what was brewing, I literally <laughs> screamed, uh, like at the top of my lungs, be careful, John. A few people did turn around and look at me. That's a very uh, Brendan move. You know I, that, right? You know, I, and I don't I, think I, I would do it with anybody you. else, but I'm like looking at Cervelli and I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, cause you know that, you know that especially on a night that he's pitching, it's close. The playoffs are around the corner. Like, John would have busted through him if it meant scoring a run. Oh, yeah, of course. So I was so as soon as I saw Cervelli getting there, I'm like, oh man, like you know, please be careful, John. Um, anyway, he scored. The Cubs did not allow any more runs, and like I mentioned before, uh, Steve Ciszek gives a clean inning here, uh, one inning, and Carl Edwards walks one in an inning. I think he got bailed out a little bit. Josh Bell was kind enough to, uh, I think, swing at some pitches that may or may not have been strikes after Carr walked the leadoff hitter. Uh, but baby steps, Brendan, I don't know, one outing at a time. I don't we'll know. Talk, we'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about know. it. We'll talk about it. I don't know. I didn't, I, I didn't like that he came in in the first place, but yeah, we'll it, you know, it is it. what it is. Uh, and Jesse Chavez gets his fifth save of the year with uh, a nice uh, one inning of work. He allowed one hit, one strikeout, and that is all she wrote. I'm actually looking right now. It's an interesting uh, thing. Both Edwards and Chavez have a 2.63 ERA on the season. It's not, I'm not pointing it out for any other reason than I just noticed that they're exactly the same. (laughs) Uh, But that is it. So three to nothing. So again, before I throw it to Brendan, I'll I'll just sort of like set the scene of where we are. The Cubs and Pirates split these uh, four games. So now with this was the half game, we have been kind of waiting for this to get cleaned up uh, for quite some time now, but this was the half game that has been uh, sort of looming between the Cubs and Brewers for some time now, and the Cubs win it. So they are a full game up in the National League Central Division with three games left. Again, the Brewers playing the Detroit Tigers, who, uh, while they are terrible at 64 and 95, you know, I think you can maybe have some hope that you know they have some guys in the lineup trying to make a name for themselves, trying to capitalize on what may be their their only time in the majors, and you know with a chance to uh, get some playing time. And you know, baseball is going to baseball, uh, and you know I was kind of alluding to that earlier in uh, that, and I I didn't mention it when recapping that game, but the Cubs beat Trevor Williams, who. Uh, came into this game with a second half ERA of 1.1. This guy was probably, I, I didn't look at the, the, the comps, but uh, the best or one of the best pitchers in baseball uh, in the second half of the 2018 season. And the Cubs did really nice work on him. He only lasts five innings. Uh, he throw the, you know, the Cubs force him to throw 98 pitches. They take three walks off him. They scatter eight hits and bring three across. So, uh, you know, we've said this before that sometimes baseball is very weird. And I think that this series was a good example of that and that the Cubs do nothing against Chris Archer, a guy who's been terrible in the second half and since he joined the Pirates. Uh, and they do great work, you know, playoff like work against Trevor Williams. So that's, uh, just baseball but i yeah i mean i mean i guess brendan i i will throw it to you here um we're uh running out of runway here and it's gonna be uh a very we'll call it a tense weekend here in chicago i feel i feel comfortable about it though in, in, in a weird way um being one game up i i, I don't want to under rates the importance of that last win right you go into this last three game set you're up one game, you go two and one, and the Brewers go one and two, it's over. The Brewers go two and one, and you go two and one, it's over, right? So it's a huge advantage, I think, and it may give Madden some flexibility in some of his decisions in that series against the Cardinals. But, Corey, this is the fourth straight year the Cubs will be in the playoffs. Fourth straight year. If I were to tell you that, in 2011, I don't think you would even be able to comprehend what that would be like, right? And what they've done this year has been remarkable. I, I mean, I, I wrote a list down of all the recent injuries they've had, and it includes Chris Bryant, Jason Hayward, Brandon Morrow, you Darvish, Kyle Schwarber, Carl Edwards Jr., Addison Russell, previous earlier in the year, and Anthony Rizzo with his back issue in in April, they just won their 93rd game. 93rd game. They won 92 last year. 
They got three games left. They could theoretically win 96 games without their potential ace, even though they've had great, great returns in the rotation in the second half, without their MVP and Chris Bryant, and basically almost 25% of their lineup at long chunks of time. So that's where I'm at. And I think Theo Epstein summed it up perfectly uh, in that second game of the series when they won 7-6. to six. And Theo said on the score, quote, What surprised me the most this year is last night, he's referring to uh, the Wednesday night game, with the season on the line, who was on the mound and at second base? We've had injuries and underperformances to overcome. This year has been a bit different. And that's it. I think that sums it up. I mean, who's, uh, who Theo is talking about was Jaime Garcia and Mike Freeman on the mound and playing second base with the division on the line. So, Corey, fourth straight year. That's where I'm at. I, I made the comment to you, and this is like where the privilege comes in. Like I was like a little te- a little teed off after that Tuesday night win or that Wednesday night win, right? They clinch a playoff spot, and I'm teed off. What a privilege it has been over the last four years to watch this team. Yeah, and it, and it's one of those things where I, I I tweeted this out too, but it's like, look, everybody knows that their work is not done here in the regular season. Nobody yeah. wants to play in the wild card game. Nobody wants to be in a one game playoff for the division. Any of that, right? Yeah, But this is a major, major accomplishment. This is not something not only that the Cubs don't do, but most teams don't do this. Uh, you, you can look around at teams and and you see, I mean, I think the Nationals are a really great example of that. You know, you look at them, they make the playoffs, you know, pretty consistently, but not every year. And, they, you know, they, they have years like this one where the talent level looks great and they just don't perform. And, you know, since 2015, the Cubs have just gotten it done. And you're right, Brendan, like you look at, you know, this would have been the year, right, that it just it it wouldn't it didn't come together right and yeah. and they would have just missed the playoffs you know you've got a hot brewers team you know two-fifths of your opening day rotation is nowhere to be seen you know chris bryant is a, a shell of the man that you Ugh. know we've seen in seasons past which is still a, a looming issue but it, you know it is what it is at this point but yeah i mean four straight years of the playoffs is a huge huge accomplishment i mean you really can't overstate that enough and you know i know uh that you know i was reading a quote from lester about this where he was saying like you know look we know it's an accomplishment but we're not satisfied with that we all expect to win the division and you know that's where everybody is but this is still uh a a very big accomplishment and and you know really I, I, you know, I think, you know, we're not, we're not really done with all of this. Right. But like when, when, when Theo started and, you know, we, we were learning about the plan and, and we were beginning all of that, you know, this is what it's all for, you know, to just keep making the playoffs and keep having a chance to get into October and see what you can do. And I, you know, look, I know that, you know, this week already has been sort of all over the place. But, you know, once you get into October, it just doesn't matter. And, yeah, and you, know, you can I'm, go through I'm, countless, countless examples of that, you know, where right. where it, it doesn't matter how a team is playing at the end of September. It doesn't matter how they played all year. It doesn't matter how many games they won. You just have to get in. And for the Cubs to be able to do that four straight times uh, is something that I, I definitely over the last few days uh, have tried to kind of pause and absorb and, and and really appreciate yeah this will this is possibly the 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 best stretch of cubs baseball we'll ever see not not to be a debbie downer or whatever but rather just to to dwell on the success they've had and more specifically too i i know we're going to get into it but we might as well just start right here that what john lester has done has been simply amazing right 34 years old 18 and 6 you read the numbers year in year out game in game out he gives you his best like lester didn't have his best stuff thursday night he he just didn't have a feel for it he had four walks three strikeouts but nevertheless he gets the weak contact he's still hitting his spots he's still fighting and he's still working through deep and long counts i mean he had what 85 pitches through four innings or whatever it was that's the mentality I think the Cubs have developed over the last few years is 
Despite these issues, despite KB going down, despite Hayward, Morrow, Darvish, Schwarber, Edwards, all these guys going through injuries this year, even Zobris rebounding from last year to this year, they've been resilient. They somehow have the best record in the National League. So you can look at, and believe me, I mean, if you look at my my text to Corey, you would think I'm a different person. But it's really easy to get, to get upset in the current moment. I was livid, absolutely livid Tuesday after they blew that first game. But you got to just take a step back and appreciate what they've done. And specifically, like, like to appreciate John Lester and some of those quotes, Corey, were hilarious. And I think, oh, did I, you did you want to talk about John Lester? I, I think I think it's inevitable, right? It had to be oh, the first right. topic. So I uh, want, if you insist, I, yeah. if, if, you, if you're going to force my hand. So you had those quotes up? I have some of them, but I, I wanted to read uh, a stat first, if you'll okay. allow me. Of course. Um, I, I, I've mentioned this account before, uh, but Chris Komka, I believe he works with the NBC team. It's uh, C Komka with a K on Twitter, but he you know puts out great stats, I think, using uh, the baseball reference play index. Uh, and so this is a fun one. Most starts with five plus innings and one or zero yeah, runs allowed from 2015 to present day. Coming in at fifth place with 51. Uh, well, actually, fifth through third, tied with 51. Jacob deGrom, Zach Greinke, Max Scherzer at number two with 52 of those starts. Uh, you may have heard of this man, Jake Arietta. <laughs> and at number one in all of baseball, with 54 of those starts since 2015, John Lester. And that does not even include the postseason in which he's been in the past three years. So if you want to go to the next level, you really can with those stats as well. Right. And, you know, again, now we are at the end of his regular season. He will not pitch again. Um I suppose there's crazy things that could happen on Sunday, but I, he's not pitching again. <laughs> like I, it's it's we're in a weird place here. There's all sorts of scenarios in play here, so I, I'd never want to say never. But uh, he's done for the regular season, and in his in his four years with the Cubs now, um, he has posted in 2015 a 3.34 ERA, a 2.44 ERA, uh, was second in Cy Young voting in 2016, a 4.33 ERA in 2017, though dealt with uh, some uh, injury stuff down the stretch there, and a 3.32 ERA in 2018, winning 11, 19, 13, and 18 games respectively in those seasons. He has not pitched less than 180 innings in any one of those seasons. Again, some of you may listen to this podcast and you think, boy, that one guy is really weird with his fandom for John Lester. Um, I am very weird. I'm not going to dispute that. Uh, But John Lester is a living legend. I don't say that with any any modicum of hyperbole. This guy is so good. And to, I don't think you can overstate his importance to what the Cubs have done. We're talking about them making the playoffs for the fourth straight season. I, I really don't know how it all goes if John Lester does not sign here uh, in the offseason between the 2014 and 2015 seasons. And I certainly don't know how it would go if he did not perform the way that he has in these years. This guy has been on the field. He's had some minor injury problems through the years. But again, no less than 180 innings, and he is out there balling every single night I there's there I could go on for a year. Maybe in the off season we can do a four hour John Lester special. I'd be more than happy to do it. But I, you know, it's just one of those things where when he was walking off the mound tonight, I I'm, I'm really thinking, and I tweeted this like my favorite days, really like on earth of my life are the days where I go to Wrigley Field and I watch John Lester pitch. I I just love it, Brendan, and I I. I was excited when they signed him in the first place. I never imagined how I never imagined the point that we would get to. And, Do you and I think remember I've, where you were when yes, the Cubs I was signed him. My dogs. Yeah, you were walking your dogs. See, that's mm-hmm. that's a sign of like 
true love, right? You know exactly where you were at the moment mm-hmm. that John Lester became part of your team. So, yeah, I, I think what he's done over the years is maybe, I think, underappreciated. Maybe not, maybe not so. I guess just from an outsider who's not in Chicago consistently looking in, it just kind of seems that way. But he's a legend, man. He's a legend. And it's funny because we got a lot of uh, comments about how uh, you know, Carrie Wood was 34, and we were talking about whether or not John Lester's 34 should be retired, and that has you know ramifications on Carrie Wood's retiring. And we actually got some responses who were like, "Yeah, like you know, we love Carrie, but what John has done has been maybe even more significant." I, I, I think, I think so. Just the playoff performances, the consistency. Unfortunately for Wood, the injuries just kind of you know right derailed him, but. Yeah, man, this I, I, I'm, I'm this close, Corey. This close to getting a, a Lester jersey. Not to steal your thunder or anything, but if there's one guy to get consistency, I don't really get player names, but I would get Johnny. Yeah, so there's a process for that. You have to file that through the fan club. I I don't remember approving that request, <laughs> but um, would you uh, allow me to we do can, that? We could talk about that off air, maybe. All right. All right. Well. But, okay. I, I do I, so I do want to read uh, the the full quote from before that I, I was alluding to just to to have the exact quote. He said, "Quote: We've made the playoffs, and nobody in the clubhouse is satisfied with that. I don't think that's an arrogance. We all kind of expect to win the division." Uh, yeah. I I love that quote. I, I think that you know that that's their attitude. And and look, I think that. It speaks to you know something that we saw yesterday uh, or on um, Wednesday night when the Brewers also clinched a playoff spot. They did it in the in the same evening, and the Brewers went into the clubhouse in uh, St. Louis and they had a champagne celebration. And <laughs> I I saw some people knocking them for that. I disagree with it, but they have disagree every reason with knocking to be, or disagree with celebrating. Well, I'll, I'll clarify. So okay. I I think that. They have every reason to be very proud. They are very good, and they will either finish with the second-best record in the National League or, in the darker timeline, the best record in the National League. Uh, So, you know, saying that I don't think that they should have had a champagne celebration is not me saying, like, oh, come on, guys, like, act like you've been there before, blah, blah, blah. I just think that, you know, from the Cubs' perspective, like, they've got work to do, and they know it, and... While it's something to celebrate making the playoffs again and, you know, with, with a lot of the guys in this group, it's the fourth year that they've done it. Um, but I, I just I just thought that, you know, breaking out the goggles and the champagne, it's like, you know, why do it now? Like, wait until you've accomplished the, the, the main goal here, which is winning the division. I just don't I, – I, I didn't I – was, I was surprised that they did that. I, I think that, um, you know, they have every reason to be very proud and to celebrate their accomplishments up in Milwaukee. Uh, but I was just surprised to see them do that. You know, there's still a big prize out there, and I, it, for well, me, they're not, I, they're not used to winning. So you got to you got to take them when you can, <laughs> right? Uh, well, yeah, that's uh, that's one way to look at it for sure. But uh, anyway, I, I think that you know the Lester quote kind of speaks to that. But yeah. the other quote that I wanted to read from Lester uh, was, well, there's two of them. So, uh, Joe Madden gave a a playoff speech before Thursday's game, you know, about the team making the playoffs and and what they're headed into and and yada, yada. And, uh, they asked him, you know, they asked John what he thought about it. And he just said, I don't know. I wasn't there. As you get older, (laughs) it takes a little bit longer to get ready for the game. So I was doing my stuff. I love it. I know that's like a simple quote, but I, I, there's just something amusing about him just being like, I don't know. I wasn't there, man. Like, (laughs) Yeah, it's like the uh, same one was uh, when he was saying he was blacking out, wasn't even watching right. the game in Game Five yeah. in, in last year's NLDS. Yep, that's John. Um, so then the last yeah. one is the uh, one with John Lackey, and he uh, pointed out that uh, John Lackey is off the beer train now, and he pointed out that he noticed when they put Lackey up on the video board tonight uh, that he had clear liquor in his cup and he Lester said that 
when you're retired, you you know you're not working out as uh, regularly and as intensely, so you have to watch those calories. And somebody maybe from the the press room or whatever said, you know, does vodka not have any calories? And Lester replied, "That's what I've been told." <laughs> Lester probably has not sipped vodka since he was like sixteen or seventeen. We're uh, we're all <laughs> a bit aware that John Lester is uh, a beer man. I think he uh, happens to enjoy it with chicken from time to time. But I love uh, it. yeah, yeah. We can talk uh, all day about John Lester, but I do want to point out some other. What I think to be recent, encouraging trends and performances. I know. I know. We got to move on here. I Uh, I guess this is the Cubs-related podcast, not the John Lester-related podcast. I mean, we're in the 35th minute, and uh, I mean, deservedly so. (laughs) We've talked about it the whole time, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Deservedly so. But recent encouraging performances. I have three that stand out, and this is all uh, hitting-wise. I think the overall staff and the bullpen, Sands... Carl Edwards Jr. looks pretty good. But hitting-wise, I have Ian Happ, I have Jason Hayward, I have Kyle Schwarber as my three, I think, trending upward guys. So for Ian Happ, over his last 22 plate appearances, he's six for 18 with four walks, uh, two doubles. I think the quality of of the Avats have been better just qualitatively. Jason Hayward comes back. You mentioned it, Corey. It's an NLDS-type oppo homer uh, at Wrigley, which was basically a laser. And it's good to see Jason out there in defense and continuing to play well defensively. So if Hayward can come back healthy, I think it's a a welcomed addition to the offense. I can't believe we've gotten to the point where we're saying that, but that's the case. Schwarber, he's, I think, looked better recently. The quality of the at-bats, the walks are still there. The power is still there. Um, Good to see coming back from his back injury, which held him out for about, what was it, six or seven games or so. So those are my three top guys. I think notably of those three, maybe Hap uh, makes potentially the most significant effect on the team. You can argue Hayward too, but we saw it even in that last game um, where the Cubs faced Trevor Williams, Hap got the start in the center. So that was good to see. If he can get going, having that power potential back in a lineup is uh, is very much welcome. But Corey, I think those three, getting the offense going means getting those three back on track, especially Hayward, especially Schwarber. Yeah, it was good to see some of this stuff. I mean, I think especially the the Hayward home run that that really felt that felt important. Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, you know, just because at that point the Cubs had been continued to get stymied by the Pirates' pitching, which dated back even to previous series that they had faced them. Uh, you know, so that one just felt good. And you know, we've talked about you know I think the value of having Hayward back and and sort of the consistency that he provides, um, but. You know, look, like we've talked about this offense all year and, you know, I think we had hoped some of these things would iron themselves out and, you know, maybe we'd see more consistency, but just kind of what this group is. And, you know, I, I, I I feel like I've said a few things can't be overstated enough. I don't know. It's like my new catchphrase or something, but I, I, we, we're, we're going to keep bringing up the Chris Bryant thing because I, I, I think that it. And I, and I don't mean to, to go away from the encouraging stuff, but I, I just want to point it out because it, it's crucial to understanding what's going on with this team and, and maintaining the right perspective. Again, you took, before he got hurt uh, earlier in the year, I think it was before he got hit in the face uh, on that pitch, was it, which <laughs> again forgot, is something that people like almost that. ignore. Yeah. Like they, they, they like, you know, some people, you know, maybe not the smartest people but you know they'll dog Bryant and you know talk about his performance and blah 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 it's like he got hit in the face with a 96 mile an hour fastball and he came like back and he hit three well. months ago yeah he yeah. came back and hit well but before he hurt that, his shoulder yeah like before his his first string of injuries like the guy had like a 950 OPS he was on pace for potentially an even better season than we've seen him put up before yeah he's hurt guys he, he's got something wrong with his shoulder Ooh, and he's now he has a wrist not, issue too right so. Yeah. So I don't, again, I'm not trying to bring down the ship, but you know, when you're looking at this offense and you're frustrated and you're looking like, okay, Cole Hamill's the only run in the series for the first two games, right? It's tough when you have an MVP caliber player, you know, a top five, you know, at minimum top 10 offensive player in major league baseball and poof, he's just gone. 
And, you know, we've talked about Contreras. He continues to, you know, ebb and flow, but still struggle. I mean, dude, his average is near 250. I couldn't believe it when I looked up at the the screen before. The uh, Uh, the quality of the at-bats were not good this week. Legitimately... We thought was going to be an MVP candidate, and that wasn't homerism. That was like looking at his numbers last year and all that other stuff. So, I, I think you know we're going to dial in on some of these more encouraging things because you know those it's you know there's three games left in the season, right? <laughs> like this stuff is not going to get worked out. And you know, again, I, I don't want to bring everybody down. I'm only just trying to maintain perspective that. You know, we we got to look at some of these other guys and, you know, talk about Hayward hitting a home run and Schwarber looking better and Hap looking better, getting on base, you know, because that's that's what matters right now. You know, this Mm -hmm. stuff is not going to magically turn into a different offense, uh, you know, overnight. So, uh, yeah, there was definitely some good stuff. Uh, in this series, especially these last couple days, you know, it was good to see like Murphy with an RBI base hit again. Yeah. and yeah, and you know what? so Rizzo I, keeps hitting the ball well too. There were yeah, there were a he's few. not necessarily getting uh, the, the results like in this last series, but he's he, his stroke looks good. Yeah, he lined out I think twice in that Thursday game or one Thursday, one Wednesday. He's hitting hard grounders, so I, I would throw him into that encouraging bunch. But I think just we've expected that from Rizzo, and that's what he's done the past month. But overall, if we can sync up just. Two of those three guys, right? If Hayward or Hap continue to play well, or Hayward and Schwarber, you sync them up with Baez and Rizzo, offensively, that should be enough. And and Zobris continues to play well. And I think I was listening to uh, to Ron today, Pat and Ron, and uh, they're always the best on stats, right? But it's still <laughs> funny to see that, that Zobris has the third highest batting average. And Say what you want about batting average. I know, I know, I know. But for a 37-year-old to have close to a 315 batting average, that's still pretty impressive. Um, So I still think, yes, KB with the wrist injury, he may be back for that first game in the Cardinal series. But they're picking these guys up, Corey. Like, of course you want KB back, but you still, I respect the resilience that they've played with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, like, it was an interesting series. We were, we, you know, Brendan and I were, were even kind of talking about like exactly how to to break this series down because those those first two games were really frustrating. But you know, they they turned it around. You know, they're the situation isn't dire, but it's you know these are crucial games, and you know they they figured out a way to show up. And you know, I also want to point out, um, you know, because I think in particular we haven't always enjoyed the way Madden uses him. Uh, but that was a huge at bat by Albert Almora, uh, on yeah. Wednesday night. That was yeah. a one, two count with two outs, uh, I believe Up against a righty. Yep. Yeah. And he came through and delivered a huge base hit, you know, because I think one of the things that I was starting to worry about in that game in particular was the Cubs were out of pitchers. So, you know, it, it, it happened so rapidly. Uh, they had that, Rizzo. That, they had Rizzo. <laughs> right. Um, sorry, I don't mean to laugh. He is the greatest relief pitcher of all time. Yes, he is. Uh, so I, I, you know, don't, I, I didn't mean to laugh. Sorry. But <laughs> he, the, the, the Cubs were out of pitchers at that point. Like, so it, it, it got, I think it got kind of lost in the shuffle in them blowing a 6-1, 6-2 lead over a, a short period of time. But, like, if Albert doesn't bring that run in, like, things get dicey. Like, you're in the back end of the bullpen. You've already used, you know, your bench and stuff like that. And at this point, it's just a, like, who can get a run across first? So that was a, a really big plate appearance uh, from Albert Almora and a, and a big win. So, yeah, I mean, I like, at the end of the day, like, they it wasn't a perfect series by any means but they you know they they figured out a way to grind out two wins and again like it 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 was a little confusing to me trying to you know kind of reconcile it all because i was really really pissed at their approach <laughs> and the, their execution against chris archer um it just felt like one of those things where it's like you have to win this game and you guys are getting clowned by like a not good pitcher and then they turn right around and they do really really good work um 
against Trevor Williams, who has been really good. And I will point this out now. I think I mentioned this uh, when we did the the preview of that last series, but this cements it, Brendan. Trevor Williams is the Cubs' new best friend, uh, friendship acquired with Trevor Williams. He went 3-0 against the Milwaukee Brewers this season, and with the uh, loss on Thursday to the Cubs, he finishes with a 1-2 record against the Chicago Cubs. So I... I do not like the Pittsburgh Pirates. I detest the Pittsburgh Pirates, really. Uh, but I, I think we've got a, a little friend over there in yeah, Trevor got, Williams. He was a, uh, very a, helpful. A budding friendship, indeed. Yes. Okay. I also, one more thing I want to sure. point out, just on the offense stuff, because I, I know we talked about it. It, it. it didn't really change anything. But, dude, Wrigley Field, he has not been there for very long. Wrigley Field gets hyped for Terrence Gore. Like, that was something that I noticed tonight. When he stole that first base, I mean, there were a bunch of people across, like, a standing ovation. Like, there was so, and every time, you know, you can tell people that, you know, maybe haven't seen him run, because I think he's only stolen, like, five or six bases for the Cubs. Only five or six in that short period. Well, I just mean that that some people may not have seen it. No, I'm, I'm just making fun of it, yeah, yeah. So you can tell, like, there are people, like, every time he does it, they look around like, whoa, like, who is that? Like, is he really that fast? Did I just see that? So, like, that was just something that stood out tonight. Like, people were hyped for him. Yeah. Like, they know what he's out there to do, and when he starts doing it, they're like, oh, yeah, like, the, this guy's doing his thing. Well, it makes the discussion, too, of whether he should be in the roster a little bit more difficult perhaps i think maybe this is just my recency bias or my memory but i feel as if gore is being used more so than you know the quentin berries of the past or the leonis martins in the past even though we saw martin last year a little bit more frequently but it just seems as if madden's more willing like he's pinch running hap uh with gore like hap is one of the cubs fastest runner like I believe Madden, he is the fastest runner. Yeah, like he like non Gore runner. Yeah, like Madden just doesn't care. Whoever's on base, Gore is going to go in the game. So I, right, I don't know. and it it does kind of make you think like if Madden's kind of feeling this out. That's um, what I'm saying. Yeah, I'll also you know because of that the last time we discussed this the the situation was slightly different. Um, but just because it does relate to the playoff roster, I I will provide a a short update on the Addison Russell situation. Uh, His administrative leave was extended. Uh, Major League Baseball has talked to multiple people around uh, the situation, including his ex-wife. And most things I have read from people in the know, uh, I would not expect to see him back. I would not expect to see him in the postseason. Um, There is probably a suspension incoming. That's typically how these situations have gone. So, Just because we're talking about Gore, the last time we talked about it, I know you were kind of putting it to an Ian Happ, Terrence Gore situation, but I think we can operate under the assumption that Addison Russell is not going to be back with this team in 2018. So it's between you know, Stella opens up Gore, another yeah. spot. Um, I don't know if they're going to want another arm. You know, I think certainly CJ continuing to be a little all over the place. Like I don't, I don't know how they're exactly going to approach that, um, but it you know, does appear that perhaps there's one more spot there that you were, you know, maybe occupying with someone else uh, that Terrence Gore can take. And, you know, again, seeing the way that Joe is kind of using it and, you know, it does sort of feel like Joe kind of enjoys it. Like, all right, Terrence, go get us a run. You know what I mean? So right. uh, it's interesting. It's in, It's been an interesting situation to watch unfold. And I remain, I was, when we talked about this the other day, I remain in the camp. Like, I would have to see exactly what the roster is going to be and who you would be leaving off. Uh, but I dig it, man. I, I want. I think I want Terrence Gore uh, on that playoff roster. Over Listella, which is now probably the, the, the difference of, of whether you want Listella or whether you want Gore, it's going to be between those two. I, I think, I don't know, Gore. I, I think I agree with you. I know Listella leads the league in, in pinch hits, but immediate value you're you can bank on gore getting at least you know one chance to steal a base maybe per game which is a significant difference it just it feels like such a game changer man like especially like in some of these games you know on on thursday they use him they're up uh three to nothing but it just feels like man like you can envision so many of those games where stuff is tight 
and you just say, you know what, go out there, get yourself to third, and you know we're going to try to figure out a way to get you in. Yeah, and especially with the the middle of the Cubs order, when you combine, let's say Hap and Schwarber and Rizzo, those guys walk well above the league average. Right. And when you get those relievers in, who yes, they get strikeouts, but at the same time they walk more people than you turn well, a walk what into a double. On Wednesday. Exactly right. That's what Ian I'm saying. Ian Hap walked. Exactly. You, you bring a guy. You bring in Gore. Again, I I don't know why they bunted. I don't really understand. I didn't that. like that. Um, didn't like it. Gore can get there basically automatically, so right. I, I don't really understand that. But that's a separate issue. Right. Um, I yeah. I, I was really <laughs> confused about that. I think everybody was at social media tonight. There were a lot of people talking about that. Like, what was going on with that? Um, I know. But yeah, that was an immediate example. Like, that's what it would be in the playoffs if it was a close game. You know, you go back to that uh, Lester Cueto game in in 2016, game one of the NLDS. You've got a nothing-nothing game till late in the game. Obviously, Javi wins that game, but in a different scenario, you know, if that ball stays in the yard or whatever, you get somebody on base, you let Gore run wild, and, you know, you hope that that's uh, a thing. And actually, I was talking with uh, Evan Altman from Cubs Insider today about that, and, you know, he made another point, too, that, that kind of draws the parallel to Javi Baez, where Gore is also one of those players where you put him on base, you're in the defense's head. Right. And J.D. pointed this out on the broadcast in the game on Wednesday night that he thought the Pirates were going to be so scared to throw a wild pitch with Gore on base that they were going to elevate a fastball to Albert Amora, which he hits really well, which he deposited in left field for a base hit. So, you know, that's just sort of another element of it. Like, obviously, he's fast. He can steal his bases, but he's also a guy like he can put people on edge, man. And, you know, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think just over the last three days or so i operated under the assumption just i actually i don't think i did i was just trying to be a little bit more conservative of of the roster but i operated under the assumption that that russell would be on the roster even though that's not going to be the case if it is between listella and gore yeah i think I, i would pick gore um but okay Corey, this is my last regular season preview it's, and it's, it's a doozy. It's a doozy, man. I can't believe we're... God, September 28th. Where did the time go? Okay, let's do this. So the Cubs have a 78% chance of winning the division in these last three games. Again, the Cubs are one game up of Milwaukee. So first game of the three-game set will begin Friday at 1.20 p.m. Central Time. For the Cubs, Kyle Hendricks will take the mound. A 13-11 and 11 record. A 3.49 ERA. He'll face the Cardinals' Adam Wainwright, who hasn't started that much this year. Wainwright, of course, plagued by injuries, age, general fatigue, I guess, if you will. His current line is 2-3 and three with a 4.1 ERA. On Saturday, uh, Mike Mikolas, or Michaelis, I still can't pronunciate his name correctly, He'll face the Cubs. Mikolas is a 17-4 starting pitcher with a 2.94 ERA. He was just talking some smack about the Cubs and how they did not apparently want him bad enough. Um, this was a few weeks or a week ago. I don't know if you saw that, Corey, but nevertheless, he'll face the Cubs. Cole Hamels on the mound. He's 9-11 with a 3.87 ERA. Recently has not pitched particularly well. He has had a homer issue. Uh, but overall, still uh, good to see Cole continuing to throw fast and get strikeouts. On Sunday, the last game of the season, Corey, last game, Mike Montgomery will take the mound. This one will start at 2.20 p.m. Central Time. I don't know why they're doing that. Is this game on Fox or something? I don't, I don't know. But uh, I'm inclined to jump in here and ask if you're reading that wrong. 12.20? or I'm sorry, 2.20. 2.20 p.m. So they're pushing it an hour yeah. from the normal time? Um, this is what I'm reading, man. I'm going to... You keep going. I'm going to corroborate Jack, that for you everybody. You can corroborate it. I'm telling you. I'm on MLB.com. This is what it says. Anyway, Jack... Oh, Flair, yeah, you're right. I know. Well, I'm going to save this quote. To, wow, you're right. I'm saving that. Okay. So Jack Flaherty, 8-8 eight and eight with a 3.16 ERA. That wraps it up, guys. And... <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to give you my weather forecast. Uh, By the way, I got several tweets about my weather forecast last time. That's not my fault, okay? I read the Aki weather forecast. I look at their radar. Wow, he's just absolving himself of blame. You know what? I let the professionals handle the work of predicting the weather. I just deliver the weather perfectly, okay? That's not on me. Passing the buck. Classic, Uh Brendan. Uh But anyway, so let me read the forecast here. So Friday, first game. 40% 40% chance of rain scattered, thunderstorms, a high of 61, a low of 43. Corey, better wear a jacket. Saturday, completely sunny, 0% chance of rain, a high of, ready for this, 57. Corey, 57. Going to be a cold weekend. On Sunday, mostly cloudy, 20% chance of rain. The temperatures go up to 72, and the low will be 61. So it'll be pretty comfortable um, for, for at least the last two days of the season friday to, uh, the first game of the series maybe you'll get a weather delay maybe not it kind of depends when you wake up and if the forecast changes wow so there you go that's uh, a full season of, of previews here i think the most immediate pressing issue that with the, the last three games will reveal is how madden continues to use carl edwards we saw cj just completely lose all command even in that thursday game he, he did not hit one spot Corey. i know he got out of that eighth inning with uh giving up the first two batters but just no command he missed every spot a lot of high fastballs so how madden will continue to use him will be interesting we know he wants to continue to put him in high leverage spots so i expect nothing else and rizzo and the rest of the coaching staff have reiterated several times the importance of CJ getting right ahead of the playoffs. But I think that's the most pressing trend. Of course, just win. Yeah, man. Uh, this will be interesting. I am uh, I'm pumped. Uh, you know, this is uh, when I started doing this whole thing, which I mean, you know, sort of showing up in Chicago at some point uh, with my seats and, you know, <laughs> just sort of going to the games every day. This is what it you know, this was the hope, right? When I came in 2015, I, I didn't really know that that team would be doing that. Um, and, you know, so that was just kind of a pleasant surprise. But this was, you know, obviously what I hoped for. And, you know, so tomorrow uh, I am going to wake up, probably have an empanada. I, I think I mentioned that before. And, you know, go watch the Cubs t- play the Cardinals with <laughs> both of, the, you know, one of their seasons on the line. And the other trying to either win the division, you know, or stay out of a wild card game. So that's what it's all about. And it's, you know, we can, there, there's obviously stuff that to look at, you know, and, and reliever usage and, and how the offense is performing and, you know, little positional battles and stuff like that. But it really boils down to this, guys. There are three games left for both the Cubs and the Brewers. The Cubs are up by a game. Their magic number is three. So any combination of Cubs wins and Brewers losses, the totals to three, the Cubs win the NL Central. There are all sorts of scenarios in play here. Uh, There is the scenario where the Cubs and Brewers tie. They would then play on Monday to decide the division. The loser then playing on Tuesday in the wild card game, uh, a.k.a. the darkest timeline. That would happen to us, too. <laughs> it better not. Just, just the way the season has gone, that that it really better not. Yeah. I think I've I've mentioned on here before. Like sometimes we get those emails from the from our season ticket rep. You know, like oh, your playoff tickets are in the mail. They don't do that anymore, but they did. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, it's time to you know get your regular season tickets. Opening day is only a month away. Brendan, they had the audacity to send me an email today, telling me to get my ticket. For the one-game playoff for the NL Central, I almost threw my phone in the garbage. I was Ugh. so angry. Ugh. Can't I? I, 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 I do just, have to get the ticket though, you know, just in case. But uh, I just can't fathom that. I, I, I my my stress levels cannot take that. This please, God. Yeah, me. I wouldn't be surprised if there's no more podcasts because I I think Brendan <laughs> and I might be in a mental hospital somewhere together. But there's something about the fact that there are three games left, the magic number is three, and it's Cubs-Cardinals at Wrigley Field. It just feels like that is what this is all about. And, uh, you know, I'm horribly, horribly nervous for all of it. But somewhere out there, there are people who can appreciate uh, how interesting that is. I'm not one of those people, but I, 
can sympathize with those people, I think. Yeah, my my confidence level in this team, despite everything they've been through, still high. Three games set, anything can happen, but they're at home. They got their good guys on the mound. I think Kyle going game one of the series is a big deal. Set the tone. I don't know. I feel good about this. I, I, I don't have that sense of anxiety that I usually get in in front of a playoff series, even though this is not a playoff series, but it's the closest thing you're going to get. I don't have that anxiety. Uh, talk to me five minutes before the first game of, on Friday, but maybe things will change. So that's where I'm at. I, I don't know, Corey. I, I, we've learned so much from this team. Like Even in the worst-case scenario or your perceived worst-case scenario, they pull through. Chris Bryant goes down. They pull through. Strope goes down. They have not missed a beat. They blew that game Wednesday, but they basically have not missed a beat. Jesse Chavez has pitched 35 innings for this team, Corey. 35. Been the most valuable reliever in Major League Baseball in the second half. Think about that. Think about where we would be without Jesse Chavez. So I bring this all up just to say, you know what? They have the guys. They have the guys, even if Strope is not there. Mario's not going to be there. Chris Bryant probably will be back, but he may not be healthy. But they still have the guys. And I think that's at the end of the day, you can really just take comfort in the fact that they can pull through and the the playoffs are as weird as it gets. And for the Cubs to go through the playoffs, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So that's where I'm at. I'm going to enjoy these last three games. I know I'll be sitting no, there. No, you're not. I know I'm not. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to, pre- to create the persona here. But 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 seriously... In December, we're going to be sitting here wishing that we had a lineup to be pissed off about, right? Like, that's going to happen soon before before you realize it. So I'm going to enjoy these last three games as much as possible, even though the debilitating stress probably will take a few years off my life, Corey. Yeah, I think that uh, sums it up pretty nicely. It's, uh, like I said, it's three games, guys. So, you know, for everything that has gone on in uh, the previous 159 games. It is time to throw on your cubby blues, root for your team, and you know do your best to wherever you're watching from, be it Wrigley Field, your living room, whatever it is. Uh, do your best to support your team and uh, hope that they can pull off winning this division. They would get a, a nice few days of rest, and you know then we can deal with whoever shows up in Chicago for the NLDS. Uh, but other than that, ugh, I'm nervous. I, you know, even like signing off this podcast, it's like, oh man. Cause like, as soon as I sign off from this podcast, I'm going to go to bed and then wake up for the game, uh, on Friday afternoon. So, uh, but look, you know, we've got Kyle Hendricks on the mound. This is the, the man who, uh, pitched for us, led us to winning the pennant in 2016, uh, took the mound, uh, with, you know, great performance in game seven of the world series, which, uh, I feel like we haven't reminded in this episode, the Cubs did win that game. Uh, some don't know that still. And, uh, you know, Cole Hamels on Saturday, and I am more than happy to, uh, you know, have those guys on the mound for us in a situation like this. And, uh, I, again, I will be giving every bit of energy that I have to the Chicago Cubs this weekend. Uh, and I hope to, at some point, uh, I don't know that I'll end up, I I don't know if it would be champagne, but covered in some kind of alcohol because the Cubs did in fact win the NL Central. Uh, but other than that, I think that that is all that we have for you here. Uh, we've got one more regular season podcast for you guys. We will come to you on Sunday, we don't have a schedule for you. Uh, things are a little too up in here. We were really hoping that the Cubs uh, would have won that division in this Pittsburgh series, and then maybe we could have given you a clearer picture. Uh, but, you know, again, there's all sorts of scenarios here. So if the Cubs have to play early next week, uh, we will obviously figure out either, you know, doing that within the Sunday show, uh, Monday morning, or some other time. But we will come to you uh after they play the Cardinals and before whatever other games they play. Again, I sincerely, sincerely hope that after uh, talking to you on Sunday night, you do not hear from us until we preview the NLDS. Uh, But other than that, this has been the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, etc., all the major podcast listening mediums. Again, Blog Talk Radio is no longer updating that feed. They have switched to Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. You can find us there. I am at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Brendan is at Cubs Related on Twitter. That is all we have for you. Uh, we thank you guys, as always, for uh, listening and your feedback. It's It's been a, a pleasure to interact with you guys and, and you know hear what you guys like about the show. Uh, so we thank you for listening and interacting with us. Go Cubs, guys. This is it. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. What makes a community? Is it a place on a map or a group of people who know they can depend on each other? At Michigan's Credit Unions, it's our job to look out for you in tough economic times like this. We're helping thousands of Michigan families with immediate support, like loan modifications and waived fees, and offering financial counseling to guide brighter futures. When it comes to helping our members and communities move forward, we make it personal. Click the banner to find a Michigan credit union. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G, because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Root Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.